We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Roto Grinders NFL Weekly Preview with the Luch and TJ. Insane week of NFL football action. TJ Lasig, how you doing? Doing well. Always doing well on this Monday. Yeah, another another crazy week. I would say we continue to have late breaking news. I feel like that always impacts the slate. And thought it was a good slate. Thought that there was some some good chalk out there, some bad chalk out there. Some good pivots. Again, some that worked out, some that didn't. But overall, it's a pretty, pretty fun slate. No Darren Waller for me, unfortunately. And he, he was certainly the key to unlocking any big tournament wins. I think he was, he was like 5 6% in, in some contests that I saw and just had a, an absolute breakout game at the tight end position. But, Agreed. Yeah. No Darren Waller for me either. No Patriots D for your boy either. And we talked about it. This weekend, you just have to be perfect to three or four times your money anymore in GPPs. Um, I played, I put five lineups in, some like 153 max and a couple hundred dollars single entries. My best team was 185 with Derrick Henry on it. We'll get to, you know, the ins and outs of what are we learning, what are we hoping for next week. But, you know, 185, but I didn't have Patriots D, didn't have Waller. I didn't have a chance. You know, I doubled my money. Cool. Moving on, might as well just play cash games. That's how it is. Like, you have to be 100%. You can have that contrarian play. It still doesn't matter, you know? Um, that 2% guy that goes off, you have to nail it. You have to be perfect. So, we'll see. We'll see. But what a game by Darren Waller. I think FanDuel tweeted out that it was the – was it the most points ever in FanDuel history by a tight end? I believe it. Yeah, it was, it was really a, a massive game. I mean, he it was like the first quarter, and he was already just – absolutely smashing it and then showed no no signs of slowing down I think he ended up with like 18 targets and yeah just a just a monster game for him 
And that, I mean, and that's it's, obviously it's always valuable when someone goes off, but even more so when it's at the tight end position, just because the separation that you create from, from most of the other tight ends is pretty key. We often talk about in this podcast how gross the tight end position is. And there were some other pretty good plays, but obviously nothing like the Waller ceiling game of a lifetime performance. You know, uh, Tonian was okay, you know, caught a touchdown. You know, Ferkser got some garbage time and was okay for 2,500. I don't think he had a catch until the fourth quarter. And then uh, Cleveland just kept playing, you know, backing off and giving them the dump offs. I think he had three or four catches on, on one of the final drives of that game. And, and he did his thing. But, yeah, you need Waller. You probably need Patriots defense to kind of take things down. So that's in the books. Let's look ahead to, to this coming week, and we'll tie in kind of some things that we learned. Raiders will host the Colts at 4 o'clock. Let's talk about that one since we just talked about Darren Waller. Um, Jonathan Taylor, they just aren't giving him the volume, but he was very effective against Houston. TJ, I know we're dropping into a 4 o'clock game here. From one week to another, I mean, you're looking at the Raiders. They dominated Atlanta, right? Atlanta was trash that game. They beat beat the Jets by a touchdown. Now the Colts, who were touted as a very, very good defense, and a 50-and-a-half total game I'm looking at, there will probably be some Raiders in play, you know. Uh, we'll see what happens with Josh Jacobs. Devontae Booker was a bust, but it's tough to play. These are two teams, in my opinion, where there's not they're not high-volume pass attacks, and – you don't really know where they're going, right? Are people going to chase T.Y. Hilton? What are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I've been trying to figure out Hilton because I think it's two straight weeks now where he's put in some decent performances. Looking at, at this past week, 11 targets for Hilton. Had seven the week before. So I think we can start to, to look back towards him. He had a really, really slow start to the week, but I think – between Hilton and Pittman are the, the two guys that I'd probably be most interested in on the, the indie side. And yeah, I just find these games. We, I feel like we're getting a lot of these 50 point total games with two teams that you're not necessarily used to trying to stack up, but at the same time, I, yeah, with the Vegas team, they can easily shoot out in games and Waller's price tag. Now, It'll be interesting to see what people do with him because he's up to 6800 on DraftKings, just $600 less than Kelsey. So it's a pretty premium price tag, but that's what happens when you score 48 DraftKings points in a week. So I don't think that he'll be super popular just because of the one game. So maybe it's a good spot to go back to him. I think more people are likely to gravitate towards Kelsey just because of his consistency. So to me that that brings Waller squarely into play. And then he's he's mostly what I'm what I'm looking at from the Raider side. Aguilar seeing some targets, but I mean it's Nelson Aguilar. I, I watched him in person too much too many times for the Eagles to really uh say too many nice things about him. Yeah, eleven targets on Sunday. So he's seen at least nine in two of the last three weeks. Interesting, but I mean, I, I probably personally won't have a ton of exposure uh, from this game. Like, whose Cheerios did Jonathan Taylor piss in that they just won't give him the volume, right? So, all right, 13 carries, but he didn't have a ton in the first half. So I don't know what they were waiting for. Um, but 
I mean, that's encouraging that he had double-digit carries. And before he we went on the COVID list against Green Bay a couple weeks ago, he had 22. Um, but really, you know, he did his damage. He had a, a, like a 29-yard receiving touchdown, I believe. So he registered 13 points through the air out of his 22, um, you know, which kind of really helped him out. So I, I'll consider Taylor. I mean, eventually they're going to have to just consistently make this guy a part of their offense. Jonathan Wilkins ain't it. He's had a couple years to prove it. We know what Nain Hines is. He's not the guy you're going to want to feed. So um, if I'm going anywhere, it's going to be Taylor. Obviously, it's Monday. So who knows what's going to happen by Sunday morning. But that, that's my thought on that game. I'll have some Taylor exposure probably. Yep, I think that that's a, a fine play. I know he was picking up some steam as a GPP kind of pivot this past week. And, yeah, the volume wasn't necessarily crazy. I mean, he did – he picked up a lot of – points on that one touchdown he caught like a 30 40 yard touchdown so but I mean that's you know having that in your in your toolbox is good so I I don't mind the Taylor call as a GPP but agreed I'm not really interested in the quarterbacks a ton on this game if anything maybe Derek Carr but but still I mean he, he has shown a ceiling so you could stack up car, but otherwise I like some mini, mini correlations. Just picking one guy from each side on top of your other game stack. Sounds good to me. You want to stay in the AFC South and talk Titans Jaguars here? That was, Let's do that was it. Cool with you. One o'clock game, 53 and a half total, Tennessee, seven and a half point favorites. I don't know where to start. I mean, each team played two quarters of football. I don't have the box score up in front of me, but I believe the Browns outscored the Titans. 38 to 7 in the first half. In the second half, the Titans outscored the Browns 28 to 3. So I don't know. The fact that that was a game late in the fourth, I don't I don't even know. Like if you're the Browns, you're probably like, yeah, you're you're lighting the world on fire. Browns fans are hitting Twitter at halftime, and then it comes down to really getting an onside kickback within the last minute for Tennessee to have a chance to win the game is is incredible. So this was just one of those outlier games, I think, where neither team brought it for four quarters. There was a lot of weird stuff, a lot of blown coverages on both sides. We saw Corey Davis have a career game, uh, who's on a contract year, by the way. We saw A.J. Brown with a couple more uncharacteristic drops, but he still had an okay game, you know, with the Ferks for value. So uh, the Titans are still in the thick of things here. The Jaguars, you know, brought Minnesota to overtime. I'm a pretty unbiased Titans fan. You know that if you listen to this pod, you know that Henry was a letdown. He saw a price drop against, you know, if they take care of business, they're still in control of their own destiny. You know, um, that team we saw in the second half that put up 28 is, is the offense we know we're capable of. I think they're going to be pissed off and Vrabel's going to have them playing. And I'm going to go back to Derrick Henry this week, 8,700. I don't care that he laid an egg. I, I think this is this is Derrick Henry. Let's get back to what we do, uh, kind of game, and that's what my gut is telling me right now. Agreed, definitely. Didn't have the the start to December that I'm sure he was hoping for. All those narratives going around about how, how much of a beast Derrick Henry is in December, but I think that this is a great bounce back spot. The Jaguars typically getting beat up on the ground. I think they're bottom five in the league in terms of rushing yards allowed as a defense. So Derrick Henry, 8,700, I think is a nice price for him. I think he was 9,200 last week. So getting a $500 discount would prefer to have him at home, but not too worried about it. 
playing at Jacksonville. And the Titans, Titans offense, man. I'm kind of interested in, in a little bit of everyone. I, I, my, my best GPP team last week was a Titans stack. Had Tannehill, Corey Davis, Ferkser. Ran it back with Jarvis Landry. So that team did pretty well. And I think you can do something similar again with them this week. I think you can approach them in both ways in different lineups. On one, one end, you can take Derrick Henry, go, go with the ground attack, and then if there's lineups where you're fading Henry, Tannehill stacks, I think, are, are going to be in play again just with how efficient their offense is. And then on the other side, I mean, Robinson, James Robinson is just – I like James Robinson. He's, he's so steady. He's seeing between 18 and – 23, 24 carries every single week, getting in the five, six target range a lot of the time. And he's someone I'm going to continue to look to in in tournaments just because of that role that he has. I know that the Jaguars aren't the best team and that the game script is likely not going to be in his favor, but with the role he has, it doesn't really matter just because of how many passes he's catching. And he, he seems to be relatively efficient with his touches. Yeah, I agree. I mean, usually opposing running backs don't correlate well. Are you willing to give this a pass this week if you if the construction fits? Yep, yep. I, I think it's fine this week. I was also fine with it last week with Robinson and Dalvin Cook in the same lineup. So I I, I don't necessarily have a, a problem with it. I think you can use Robinson either with Henry or as the run back option in Tannehill stacks. I think he fits fits fine with both and especially because I mean I, I just don't don't love a ton else on the Jaguars side of the football he's really the one bright spot that they have and and probably the only person that is going to be in my player pool for the Jags yeah and I'm interested I, I want to see AJ Brown's ownership closer to the weekend because Corey Davis cut off a monster game uh, AJ Brown fumbled at the goal line for one and he had a couple other really bad drops so he could have had a monster line himself I mean that full stat could have went ape shit. excuse me it really could have at their price points too. Yeah, especially um, if friggin' Pruitt didn't score two touchdowns. Like the, I mean, I, I was I was a little bit frustrated because I had the Tennessee stack, and I mean the stack still obviously did very very well. But then every time I'm looking up, the most random people are scoring the touchdowns too. I'm like, man, what's yep. going on here? Playing football. <laughs> it's what it is. It's what it so is. The one, yeah, they, yeah. You said AJ Brown. He was the one that fumbled right on the one. Yep. Yep, and then and then they recover in the end zone for a touchdown. So yep, and the I thing was, is, I was like tilting the lack of Tannehill points on that one. It's not like AJ Brown doesn't get the target share, right? He, he doesn't have a double digit target game this year. He's a yak monster, so like he's always in play for GPPs. He he just it just kind of doesn't make sense, you know. Lastly, like he could get a thousand yards and under sixty five catches this year, uh, kind of similar to kind of the line he put up last year, and everybody's like, wow, he can't sustain it. The guy's a monster when he has the ball in his hands. So I guess the Jaguars team who were, you know, starting Whataburger corners, like guys who were just flipping burgers last week, uh, you know, I think it's, I think, you know, Corey Davis still under 6K, you might see some regency bias towards him, you know, and uh, you could get some decent ownership on, on AJ Brown, I'm assuming. And the same thing with Henry. Um, we can transition into one of these other games as I'm rattling some of these guys off, but you have Aaron Jones in a great matchup against Detroit, smashed them earlier this year. Robinson you just talked about Kamara back to life a little still 7,100 still not involved in the pass game but he plays your Eagles 
I'm sure we'll talk about momentarily. An Eckler, if there's a get right spot for Austin Eckler, it's against Atlanta, right? Pass catching running backs is the stigma to attack them with. Austin Eckler's hanging on the poster in my room as the poster child of the pass catching running backs. So, I mean, I'm curious to see where ownership goes. And the elephant in the room, if McCaffrey plays, when he came back from injury a couple of weeks ago for the first time in week nine against Kansas City, he put up a pedestrian 37 DraftKings points. So a lot's going to change throughout the week here. And um, those running backs that I mentioned, who do you want to talk about? And we'll jump into those games. Aaron Jones right there, 7,600. Robinson, 75. Eckler, 7K flat. A lot of options in that range. Yep, I think they're all good options. I think Eckler is my favorite option, at least at first glance. He, I mean, (laughs) I don't know what happened to the Chargers yesterday. I mean, they lost 45 to nothing to the Patriots. And Eckler, I mean, Eckler still managed 11 fantasy points, which obviously is not a lot, but still had nine targets. So two games back since injury, 16 and nine targets. We know that you want pass catching running backs against Atlanta. His price didn't move at all from last week. It actually, I think, went down $100. So 7K flat, home against Atlanta. Give me all the Austin Eckler again. I don't care that he semi-underperformed this past week. I think that that is a great spot. I think it'll be chalky, though, by the end. I I don't think we're getting him at a discount just because of one bad game. But Eckler, I would say, is the number one kind of cash optimal type of play there. And then Aaron Jones, very interesting, as you mentioned. He, of course, is always going to be somewhat splitting carries and snaps with Jamal Williams, but he just has that monster ceiling. We saw it yesterday at his 70-yard touchdown run or whatever it was. 15 carries total, 130 in the touchdown, a couple targets in the passing game. So I think Aaron Jones is a great, great tournament pivot in that range yeah I think you said last time he played Detroit what did he do 48 48 DraftKings points yeah it's fine so I think that definitely Aaron Jones is is someone to look at yeah that whole range very very interesting good options there and listen I I don't know anything about anything anymore like yesterday was peak 2020 and just the, the volatility the craziness look at last night Kansas City didn't score a touchdown for over two and a half quarters, you know, that was a, a slug fest for most of the game. Didn't see that coming. They could, I did not predict that, you know. They scored one touchdown. Tyreek Hill just didn't realize that he had scored a touchdown. Oh, wow. <laughs> Frustrating everybody. Across that the- really was. That was wild. But <sighs> Detroit just gave up a ton of points to the Bears. So if there's – if there's any game that I'm like, maybe this will carry over to next week, it could be Detroit just being a train wreck. You know, they got rid of – they cleaned house, got rid of Patricia, fired the GM a week and a half ago now that – you know, when you build I, – I, when you build lineups, I'm just like thinking out loud here. You look at the FanDuel $4 milli winners, there have been a couple of quarterback, running back, receiver combos. Um, that have taken it down. It's tough to do. If I'm looking at the Chargers and who they are, I, I don't mind playing a, a Herbert Eckler and then a pass catcher because Eckler's a pass catcher, right? So I don't mind that QBRB wide receiver stack. It's not usually how I roll, but 
uh, that's a good way to start your build, I think, in the Atlanta game. Um, and if you're a GameStack guy, Julio, who people wrote off before yesterday because he was question ball week, you know, was was involved. He was fine. So, I mean, you can run it back with your choice. Who's it going to be, Ridley, Julio, or just nobody because we've seen that work as well. I, I'm, I'm in. I mean, Atlanta is just is bad. So, Atlanta, good to target against, you know, Detroit. You know, do we even have to talk about Rodgers and Devontae Adams? Do, do we have to at this point? <laughs> just every week they're an option. I mean, Rodgers gets 25 fantasy points every week. So lock that in, and he's, he's back at the 7,500, so they, they did bump him up a little bit after his ridiculous – what was he, 6,800 last week? thought that was a ridiculous price tag on him. And Devontae Adams, yep, just, just another 37-point game, 12 targets, gets in the end zone twice, gets the 100-yard bonus. He does it all. You got you to gotta have a Rodgers Adams stack in the mix somewhere. And then on the other side – I mean, is Galladay just going to be questionable every single week for the rest of the season and then never play? Maybe. Probably. <laughs> but Marvin Jones had a had a breakout game, and the volume has really actually surprisingly been there for him. The last four weeks, 12, 12, 6, and 10 targets. So double-digit targets for Marvin Jones is, is pretty good because typically he's more of a low-volume, bigger play, get-in-the-end-zone kind of guy. So – Eight, eight catches, got the 100-yard bonus, got a touchdown. I think he was, like, not owned by anyone. So I think that, that you can look to him potentially on a run back there. And then Hawkinson is usually the other person from Detroit that I that I look at. He's been pretty solid. Nothing crazy good, but he does well. It's definitely setting up to be quite an interesting week with some really juicy matchups. You know, obviously that Detroit game – in the Atlanta game that we talked about. And then, you know, the Titans are always in play with the condensed you know, volume and target shares. You know, we typically know where the ball's going, typically, for the most part. Uh, very interesting. Um, I think a lot of players in those games are going to be very popular. Maybe we can talk about uh, a game, you know, that might be a little less popular. I mean, because then you have the Chiefs on the main slate too, right? So... So, so what do you do here? We just named a lot of guys who are probably pretty popular. Mahomes, highest-priced player on the slate. Are people going to see this total under 50? And will he you – know, with all the quarterback options, are they going to be like, eh, is Mahomes going to be like the fifth fiddle? Who probably has the highest upside every week. But, you know, you have Rodgers. He's priced up a little. Kyler down to 7,200. Brady against the Vikings. Herbert in that crazy game environment against Atlanta. Tannehill, you know, Jaguars, like – where do you do with Mahomes at 8,100? I just feel like Mahomes should be like 9K every week. Just put it, set it in stone, see what happens. Yeah, 8,100 does feel like a pretty good deal for him. He's pretty much guaranteed to get you in the 20 to 25 range in a bad game, a.k.a. yesterday. Yeah. But when he has a good game, it's, it's 35, 40 points. And obviously he's got easy stackability with Hill – and or Kelsey. And, yeah, I mean, you, you kind of always have to. And I actually like the – I've thought a bit about when you want to stack Mahomes, right? Do you want a single stack or do you want a double stack? And I sort of think you – I sort of think I like the double stack when it comes to Mahomes. And, and by double stack, I mean go all the way in with, with Mahomes, Tyreek, and Kelsey, which is a very, very expensive stack, obviously. 
But if you're paying up for Mahomes and you're trying to win a tournament, you're expecting or hoping that he's going to have that ceiling 35, 40-point game. And in order for him to do that, it's pretty much has to be that Tyreek and Kelsey both go off because so much of the offense runs through those two guys. So um, I, I just put it in my DraftKings. It only gives you 4,300 average salary remaining. So very, very pricey, but I, I do think it is viable. And, I mean, Kelsey is just a beast. Another 30-point game for him. Makes it a different slate whenever he's available at the tight end position just because you get – obviously, Waller hit the ceiling last week, but has a very low floor. Kelsey's got both the floor and the ceiling. So he's in play. And then on the Miami side, Gaskin. I want to go back to Gaskin. He's still only 5,600. His price didn't really move that much. And he got – he ran pretty bad in terms of his his touchdown variance yesterday. I feel like every time I looked up, he was getting stopped at the one or two-yard line. So still found his way in a, in a bad game to get 15 fantasy points. I, I like Gaskin. He gets involved a little bit in the passing game too. So good call. Yeah. I like going back there, and and you're right. And there's weeks where we're thinking, how is Mahomes only six percent? How is Tyreek only eight percent? How you know, it's because you know Tyreek eighty five hundred. You know, like you said, these guys aren't cheap. And if there's no obvious Denzel Mims value or X Y Z min price guy getting larger role, no one's gonna want to build that way. The public, I think, the public, I think, is going to think, well, if I can get Justin Herbert at 68 and save 1300 on Mahomes, and if Mahomes doesn't hit a super ceiling game, I'll, I'll be good. Because then I can get Keenan Allen as well for 800 less than Tyreek, you know? And I'll just run a one-off. I could, maybe I could run a one-off if I like the uh, KC game and not pay up for both studs. And you made a great point about going in for the full stack. Because for that lineup to succeed – the ball is going to have to go somewhere else too. Uh, unless you think Hill's going to have another three touchdown game, which is possible, but odds are it's going to have to go somewhere else too for Mahomes to, to be worth the price. And, you know, the second highest quarterback on the slate is Russell Wilson. What is going on with Seattle right now? A big old L to the New York football giants, the division leaders in the NFC East. Are we worried about Seattle? because they have a very high-priced DK Metcalf as well. Um, Tyler Lockett was very involved in the first drive of the game, uh, got knocked around a little, came back. He's still 7,200, and they're playing the Jets. We just saw what the Raiders did against the Jets. So is there a, a get-right spot for Seattle? It, it's, it's now. It's this week. You would think so, right? And I know the narrative started buzzing around of, oh, they're not letting Russ – cook anymore yada 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 I guess it's game script but he threw the ball 43 times last week so that's that's pretty good cooking if you ask me only completed 27 of them yeah it's been it's been what four weeks now of mediocre play from Russ definitely makes it tough to get like I normally you would see Russ in this spot and and have him in your your cash game type consideration I, I don't think that I can go there right now but maybe 
maybe you go to him in tournaments. But the, the other problem there is that they're 14-point favorites at home against the Jets. And are they really going to hit that upside where, like you just said, you're getting the value of playing Russ and DK Metcalf at their high prices? I, I don't know. I really don't know. I'd, I'd certainly rather play the Chiefs stack for similar price ranges. And maybe a better way to look in this game is is to Chris Carson and the Seattle defense. Carson, he he, he produces. He doesn't have the, the most workhorse role from a snap count and touches perspective, but he gets the ball in good spots and – this obviously is one of the best matchups you could ask for. 58% of the snaps for Carson on Sunday. Uh, Carlos Hyde did suit up. He played 25% of the snaps. And DJ Dallas got 12 snaps, 17%. So it's not the – he's not the volume horse that he was a couple of seasons ago. He's probably not 100%, but I do believe he's in play in this matchup too. You know, 6,900 is still pretty fair in that Vegas spread and total, you know, in that situation. So that's a good look. I'm with you on that. Um, I guess, I guess, Bucks Vikings, speaking of getting right, is going to be another game where you're going to, you know, someone's going to produce more than likely. It's just another offense where you have Antonio Brown now demanding targets. We know this. We've seen it. Uh, and, and Tampa Bay just hasn't been great the last couple of weeks. But coming off a bye, six-and-a-half-point home favorites. Team total about 29 and change, it looks like. We're going to have to look and consider some Buccaneers this week, TJ. At least consider them. Yeah, I think so. Like you said, it makes it tough because they, they do spread the ball around. I probably – probably look to Antonio Brown again. I know that he didn't have a great performance his last time out. So maybe we, we get him at a bit of a discount from an ownership perspective. Only three targets. It's just there's no consistency in the targets from week to week, from what I'm seeing at least, between Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. Brady's going to spread the ball around. So I don't – again – those aren't catch game type guys that you're looking to, but I think any of them and all of them are plenty viable in tournaments. You could stack them with you could stack them with Brady too. Brady has shown some upside. He's not my favorite guy because he's he's probably the the furthest thing from a dual threat quarterback that there is. But at the same time, he's got that four touchdown upside type of game in his wheelhouse. And then on Minnesota, Justin Jefferson continues to just have massive, massive ceilings. I played Thielen over him last week, which was a bit of a bummer, but Thielen had a pretty good game himself too. So I think it it makes for a nice stackable game here. And probably one of those spots where like I've said before, you can do a little a little mini correlation if you don't want to play either quarterback, which I'm not super thrilled about. But you throw like Jefferson Evans together or Thielen, Antonio Brown, put, putting them into a lineup I think correlates nicely. And I, I do expect there to be some scoring in this game. Yeah. You know, Thielen had, what, 21 DKP 
against Jacksonville. Jefferson had 30, and Dalvin Cook had a quiet 26.9 at that 94 price tag. 32 carries in a game where really people didn't really know if he was 100% probably going into it. So that's three of the last four games he's had at least 27 carries. And this is where it gets interesting because Tampa Bay statistically, in terms of rushing yards allowed, I know it's not the best advanced metric, but they're first against the run, giving up just 74 yards a game. So do you? I think his ownership, Cook's ownership is going to be pretty low, I think. I, yeah. I, you know, it was Monday, but right? I mean, people are going to see his matchup and with the way the receivers have been producing as of late. Cook becomes interesting because I don't care if it's the steel curtain or like the eighties bears. Like if you give Dalvin cook 30 touches, he has that potential to just break one. Right. It it could certainly happen. It's just volatility in the way it is. So he becomes interesting to me in in tournaments, Dalvin cook. No doubt about it. And I I do think he'll be under owned. I think he's coming in under 10% this week, just like you said, due to the matchup, due to the fact that he's the most expensive player on the slate and I mean it makes sense right people don't want to pay up the highest salary for a player that's not in a good matchup but I think that's what makes him a great tournament play because as we know these elite running backs to a certain extent matchups only only matter so much I mean especially when he's getting so much usage in the passing game nine targets yesterday has had four plus targets in each of his past four games Dalvin Cook definitely a great play it sh- I am curious to see how, how ownership shakes out. This feels like one of the weeks where there's not a, a clear, absolute smash pay-up for spot, unless people are going to view Derrick Henry that way, but I don't think that they will, especially because they're – maybe if Tennessee was home against Jacksonville, I, I do think that would make a difference. But it'll be – I'll be curious to find out who who's projected for higher ownership between Cook and Henry. Probably you get Cook at lower ownership this week. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Definitely interesting because those 7K range is loaded. <clears throat> then you have Ezekiel Elliott just chilling at 66 against the Bengals. So that that's interesting too. Um, got about 10 minutes left here in our recording. Where do you want to go next? Let's talk about – do you want to talk about your Eagles? I think we have to. We have to. What's what's going on? Who's going to be throwing the ball on Sunday? Is it Jalen? Is it Jalen Hurts time? Is it official? I I, I really don't know. <laughs> Haven't heard anything one way or the other. He came in and looked looked fine. Looked good. Give a little more like excitement at least. So Doug Peterson's got a tough tough decision on his hands, from what I hear. By Wednesday, we should know. So it's hard to to speculate too much one way or the other what we think will happen there. And I, I'm not even, it's so early now, I don't even know how, how it would impact things from a DFS perspective. It can't get any worse than Wentz, right? It can't get it's worse. Awful. And, and DraftKings has no clue, so they made them both 5,100. <laughs> when in doubt, make them the same price, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's probably the right price, too, because even for 5100 I I don't see how you can play either of them. This game just feels like an avoid for the most part. The Saints defense has been incredible the last month and a half. There you go. You can definitely play the Saints defense. That, oh, well, there they are, 3800 most expensive defense on the slate. 
Wow, yeah, that is it's one of the most consistent game logs you're going to see for a defense Saints D. I can definitely get behind that. Yeah, they'll be chalky. I mean, maybe not. I mean, who wants to – I don't like hate paying up for defenses. I hate it. But they're going to garner ownership, especially in cash. Yeah, they'll have some ownership. But I, I do feel like people, like you just said, are, are generally wary of paying all the way up at defense. But I, I think that's a nice – tournament play because like you said when it comes to these tournaments if you if there's a defense out there that's going off and scoring a touchdown or even two touchdowns it's tough to win a tournament without them and similar to the tight end position the the separation that can get created if most defenses are scoring three or four points and you get someone going out there for 25 fantasy points that that makes a huge difference in the lineups so Talk to me about the division rivals there, the division leaders, the New York football giants. And Wayne Gallman has had a double-digit floor in every game he was featured. You know, yeah. Seattle, good run D. Ah, buck 35, 16 DraftKings points. Cincinnati, good matchup. He had 18 DraftKings points, 24 carries. I mean, he's had at least 10 carries in since week seven in every game he's played. You know, he's seen at least 14 carries in the last four weeks that he's played. So, I think Wayne Gallman's in play for cash. And I think this is a weird game because I think we'll find out. Two teams with some questions. Like, what's going on with Daniel Jones? Are the Giants actually good defensively? Is Kyle Murray, Kyler Murray messed up because he only carried the ball five times again last week? That's how many straight weeks? Is that the third straight week with five carries he's had? Yeah. That correctly? Yeah, he has not been carrying the ball. So there, there might be something going on there injury-wise or, or something that's preventing him from running because he just hasn't been the same as he was the first couple of weeks of the season where he was he was pretty much the QB1, right? He was yeah. 30 points plus every single week, and it just hasn't, hasn't been happening lately. I mean, he's had 60 total yards the last three weeks, no rushing touchdowns. He's definitely not right. I mean, is it get, yeah. it's the point where will he heal and get right? Well, they won't. They're not going to tell it. They're not going to tell anybody. I don't know. Seventy two hundred. The Giants have been playing pretty well. I don't know if I want to play Kyler this week. I don't know if I'm considering Kyler this week. Coming across country to the East Coast, I I don't know. I don't know if I am. Yeah, I, I'm not loving it to be honest. I think there's a couple other guys at the quarterback position that I'd rather go to. We talked about Herbert earlier. I think I'd rather rather play Herbert and I'd rather play Rogers. And he's he's sandwiched right in between the two of them. So if you're a believer in Kyler, I'm sure you can get him at super low ownership again this week, but it's not my favorite play. And going back to the Gallman thing, I, I do I do like Gallman, as you said. I, I think he's a better FanDuel play than DraftKings play just because he pretty much is not involved in the passing game like at all. Yeah. Just looking at his numbers here, he didn't have a single target last week. He did have five targets the week before, but two of the last three weeks, zero targets. So that – is a bit concerning for DraftKings. Uh, sorry, I was looking at one game where he didn't even play. But he did have zero targets last week, five week four. So maybe maybe he gets involved in the pass game if it's needed. But just wanted to call that out. Although 57 price tag, 5,700 price tag on DraftKings is quite appealing as well. I think we hit a lot of the main focal points here. You know, there's some stuff we didn't cover. Obviously, Texans, you know, Brandon Cooks was in concussion protocol, right? So we'll have to keep an eye on that. Um, they're playing at Chicago. 
Uh, I wonder what the ball movement will be like there if, if Watson struggles. We saw Kiki Kuti, Kuti, Kuti. Well, I don't know. He's, I, what do you, I don't know whatever you want to say. His name Q-Tip. I don't know. He's 5K now, though, so he's, he's tougher to play in a tougher matchup to me. He was chalked last Sunday at 3,500. Um, you have any thoughts on the Texans? And then I'll give you the floor. And we got to get going. You know, busy Monday night, a lot of stuff going on. And then, obviously, we have – Thursday night football later in this week too. And we have a Tuesday night game tomorrow. So we've got a full plate this week. So talk to me about the Houston Texans. Lots of football, lots of football all over. Yeah. The Texans thought they were fine yesterday. Cute was a great chalky play. 3,500. Now that he's up to 5k, that that's a bit too steep. I know he did have a big game, but I'm not trying to, trying to pay 5k for Kiki Kute. We'll continue to monitor Cooks. He's at 6,100. The matchup's a little tougher this week against Chicago, which gives a little bit of pause, but that that you know, Houston's a team that's going to throw the ball, right? I mean, Deshaun Watson is 30-plus passing attempts almost every single game this season. He's got, got a high floor, got a high ceiling, so if you want to go to a Watson's-Cook stack – I think that's that's completely in play. David Montgomery, he gets he gets laughed at a lot, a lot across the DFS industry, but he's scored twenty seven and twenty eight points in his last two games. Yeah. So maybe it's time that we start taking him a little bit more seriously. Agreed. I mean, he he has a true workhorse role. Gets targeted in the passing game. Gets it done on the ground. So I like Montgomery. Again, his price has come up. I think it was 5,500 last week. Now he's 6,500, so that makes it a little bit tougher, and he's probably more of a contrarian GPP kind of guy. It's hard to talk about running backs on Monday because I feel like literally every week some 4K, 4,500, like cheap option opens up and ends up becoming the plays. So we'll continue to monitor those, but I do think Montgomery is someone that that does deserve consideration after – the consistent workload we've seen and then starting to see him actually translated into production in the box score. Guys, give us a a like, give us some feedback, subscribe, let us know what you want to hear. Our premium tools are are awesome. We have great content every day. Roto Grinders team is always here to help you out. What else is on your mind before we get out of here? Anything else before we close up shop, TJ? I just can't believe the season's coming to a close here on us, right? We're in week 14. Season-long leagues are entering the playoffs. And I would just say at this point, we have we have the information, right? We've got a full nearly a full season's worth of sample size to work with here. It's pretty clear where everyone's role is within these individual teams and a lot of it right now in tournaments is coming down to to ownership projections and how you can you can best leverage where we think the chalk's going to be and, and especially where we think the bad chalk is going to be. So we don't have pretty much any visibility into that at this time in terms of what the chalk is going to be, but definitely make sure that that you're keeping that in mind as you're building your lineup and you want to have the the right mix of of high projected lineups but Make sure you're you're getting some leverage in there. If there's a running back that's going to be high end, take a look at one of his receivers. Vice versa, I uh, just think that it's something in this day and age of DFS where there's so much content out there. 
everyone's got good projections. Having the best projections isn't isn't doing it anymore. It's really more about that lineup construction and game theory, yada, yada, yada. Stack up those games, as we always say. And let's finish the season strong. Finish 2020 strong. Maybe win a tournament down the, down the stretch here. Let's do it, man. Be rooting for you. Appreciate all that you do for RG. TJ, where can the people find you on Twitter? Find me on Twitter at TJL5124DFS. And same content schedule as always. GPP article comes out on Friday. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. For TJ Lasig, I'm Justin Carlucci. Good luck. Have a great week.